Mark 13, and uh, we will uh, start here, and we will look, we're down into verse 26, so we'll start reading in verse 24, just to kind of get it back in our minds here. Uh, again, the Lord is talking with the apostles, and he's talking about his second coming, and he's covering information uh, that is going to help them as He's leaving. He's on his way to Calvary, to the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be resurrected. He knows he's leaving. They're not quite on board with it yet. They still don't have their understanding uh, enlightened and so forth. And uh, i got to shut that. Whoops. Sorry. I know that makes for poor video, but it's okay. It's just us. Um, and uh, so verse 24, or, I'm sorry, uh, verse 14, but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand and let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And, and we've looked at that, and that's the, mid, that's the middle point midst of the 70th week. Now, they have asked the Lord, verse 4, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled. So they're looking for information. And he talks to them there about what they're going to be doing into prior to the 70th week of Daniel and into the 70th week of Daniel. Verse 24. But in those days, after that, tribu after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall shall be shaken. And we talked about that last time. The cosmic, uh, the, all of that cosmic interruption happening out there. And again, it isn't that the sun goes out and the moon goes, you know, he unplugs them. Rather, there's a cloud, verse 26, and when, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So there's a cloud, there's a, there's a thick cloud going to hide all that out. So, and again, that issue of the darkness there, judgment, we looked at all of that last time. And again, what he's doing here is he's going to give them the sign, okay? He, when you see this, then you're going to look up, okay? But don't worry about it till then. And again, it's interesting when you back, go back up there in verse 13 because you hear this rumors of wars and earthquakes and all that stuff, and yet in the end of verse 7, but the end shall not be yet. The end of verse 8, these are the beginning of sorrows. This is So when you hear people talk about rumors of wars and earthquakes and the end times and all that, the Lord just tells them that's the beginning of it. We're not even there yet. We haven't even rolled into this. So then in verse 26, and then, and again in verse 24, but in those days after that tribulation, so we're talking about the end of the 70th week here. In his second coming, what's going to happen? He's going to come back. We looked last time. He's going to judge and destroy the Antichrist. Then he's going to come, and in that, he's coming back in verse 26. They're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect. And again, that's going to be the believing remnant, Israel. We've already looked at all that back up in verse 20 and, and so forth. Uh, he's going to gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. And again, he's going to gather up the believing remnant. He's going to gather up believing Israel. But notice the, the triggers. Verse 24, after that tribulation, so that means the tribulation has gone through, and now we're at the end of it. Verse 6, 26, and then shall they see. So once the, the heavens out there go into darkness, judgment, here he comes, Second <laughs> uh, Thessalonians 1, verse 8, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's not the verse. I think it's chapter 2. Sorry. Yep, it was chapter 2, verse 8, not 1-8. 1-8's well, good. We're going to get there. 
2.8, And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So if you think about what's happening. Now, by the way, you and I, the body of Christ, we're in the heavenly places just watching all this happen, okay? And when we watch it happen, and you can say, look at that, Brother Rick was wrong. Look at that, Brother Rick was right. You know, whatever, doesn't matter. We're up there, okay? It's just, it's, it's just interesting that you and I, we can look into these things and we can see them, we can grasp kind of what they're going to be going through. But if you notice, with that cosmic display darkened, that's the dark backdrop of this bright light coming. Here he comes. And what we're going to do now, verse 26, is here we're going to see him come. They're going to see him come, the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now, that's the opposite of where he's at right now, his first coming. His first coming is lowly and meek. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. So his first coming is as redeemer, saver, kinsman redeemer, going to redeem Israel. But in his second coming, he's coming to make war and judge. He's the king. He's on the white horse. He's, he's just, it's done deal. And that's, come over to Matthew 24. Matthew says a little more detail than Mark, and again, it's all perspective. Matthew has the perspective of the king. Here's what the king's going to do. So there's more detail, or it says it a little different. Mark looks at it from the servant, and here's what they're going to be doing. Uh, Matthew 24, if you look here at verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Notice that immediately. There's no delay in this. This is stuff is just ticking right off. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Okay? So what are they looking for? What's the sign? What's the stuff? What's it going to look like when you come? Well, here's the sign. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. And by the way, the one, the heaven, they're, they're not floating around up in heaven. Uh, when we'll look at this next time when they scat, when they're scattered in Leviticus 26, he says we're scattered to the four winds. By the way, you understand what that is? It's north, south, east, and west. They're scattered. It's not, you know, it's boom, you're at, they're all over, and he's going to come and gather them. So in Mark 13, Matthew 24, here he is. He's going to come. He's going to, what's he going to, he's going to come back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. And then what is he going to do? He's going to gather up his people. So when you look here at Mark 13, 26, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and gather together his elect and so forth. That's what, we're gonna, that, that's what we need to see here. So, two passages, Revelation 1 and Zechariah 12. Revelation 1 and Zechariah 12. Revelation 1 and Zechariah 12 chapter 12 and, and again the, it's it, I think it's important for us to look at this with that backdrop of the darkness what's happening here and transpiring Revelation 1 verse 7 behold by the way what we're going to be looking at you, you, you see all the nonsense going on on the TV with Trump and all that mess and you see all this stuff in Russia and Ukraine and all the world and how topsy we're going to be looking at the event that's going to end all of that and set it straight, put it right back where it belongs. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And by the way, you and I, we shouldn't get entangled in all that. It doesn't mean you don't, get in, you don't know that it's going on because it impacts you. It just doesn't run your life. It shouldn't run your life, I should say. 
Um, Paul never kept his head in the sand, but he did sure enough use government when he could, and then the government he used ended up killing him. So that ought to be a warning to you of really what the end nature is going to be with them. Anyway, Revelation 1, verse 7. Watch John here. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Notice that. They're going to see him. Mark 13, they're going to see him. Every eye is going to see, shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Notice every eye is going to see him, so all the tribes of the world, of the earth. But then them that pierced him, that's Israel. That, that's, he's going to come back for redeemed Israel. Come over to Zechariah 12. Zechariah 12. Now, Zechariah 12 is a few years before the Incarnation. Okay, Actually, it's about 500 years before the Incarnation. And he says, verse 10, through Zechariah, and I. Now, that I is going to be Jehovah. All right? I will pour upon the house of David and upon, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Notice the Lord Jesus Christ, before the incarnation, he says what? I, here's Jehovah, they're going to look upon me whom they have pierced. They pierce him at Calvary. That's where they do that. And actually, what is he saying here? The guy you're piercing at Calvary is Jehovah. He, when I come back in judgment, that's what he's going to do, pour upon the house and that, all that. Verse 11, in the, in the day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem. See, he's going to come back in judgment to destroy the Antichrist, to destroy the world, to, and to reclaim Israel. You know what they're going to do? They're going to see me. All the tribes, Revelation 1-7, but also Israel, whom they pierced. Come over to chapter 13 and verse 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Isn't that interesting? This is all second coming. He's coming back, and when he comes back in judgment to, to destroy, they're going to look upon him whom they pierced, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to ask the question, what are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. That ends up being used by the Lord talking about Judas being betrayed by my friend. See, It's interesting. They're going to see him, the one that's been pierced. He's the Messiah. And they're going to say, when did you get that? And he goes, in my first coming. See, I'm the one that came over here in the flesh. I've already come and died and resurrected. And all of those gospels and all those guys that rejected it are going to go, uh-oh. You remember in 1 John? Look, look, look over there in 1 John just real quick. 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 4, in the series of tests during the... the uh, the tribulation, but also really leading up to it, where they can, where the little flock is going to be able to apply these tests to ferret out the true believer and the unbeliever Israel. He says there in verse two, "Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come." And even now already is it in the world? I mean, what's one of their tests? Did Christ come before in the flesh or not? The unbeliever is going to say, no, he didn't. But yet in his second coming, when he shows up, they're going to say, what's the wounds about? And he's going to say, I came over here and died. You pierced me. You killed me. Now he's coming. That was his first coming. Now he's coming in 
great power and glory. And that's the, that's the issue that Mark is, that the Lord and Mark is depicting here. Uh, come over to Matthew 25, just, just a glimpse at that glory here quickly. There's an issue coming here that Mark, that the Lord is trying to get the apostles to understand. Listen, they've rejected me. They're going to kill me. But when I come back over here after the, delay, after the time, while I'm gone, you guys are going to occupy. Remember that thing in Matthew where the servants occupy? Occupation. They've got a job to do. That's the early Acts period. And when we get done, I'm going to come back, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to go, uh-oh, <laughs> we should have believed him. See? Matthew 25, if you look at verse 31, about the glory. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. Now think about that. The holy angels... Uh, Revelation 19, that's the armies of heaven. Amos 2, the armies of the Lord, that's who we're talking about. In, in Acts 7, when Stephen looks up and he sees the glory and Jesus standing, the, there's an and there, two different things. The glory, what does he see? He sees the angels ready, getting ready. They're, they're, they're armed and loaded, locked and loaded. He's coming back. He's bringing the armies of heaven with him. They're, they're, they're ready. They've already fought a war in heaven, Revelation 12. They've already gone into battle, Michael and the angels and the Lord, in, in the heavenly places up there. They've cleaned out the heavens. They've kicked Satan and his angels to the earth. And the Lord just keeps moving right on down. By the way... Verse 31, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. You see, his glory, a bright display of the glory of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, the purpose is it's to establish his kingdom on the earth. Come over to Isaiah 30. So if you think about this, we have, the, we have man, that is just a bad piece of chalk. Stick that over there. I think I did that. So here's the body. We're out of here. We're raptured out, okay? There's a period of time in here that's unknown about how long until the revelation of the Antichrist. That starts the 70th week of Daniel. We call it the tribulation. That's fine. It, it's the great tribulation, the great notable day. You know, we have different terms. It's really the 70th week. The beginning of that, we meet the Lord in the air. He takes us into the third heaven, presents us to the Father, according to 1 Thessalonians 3. At that moment, the Lord then comes back in, and there's a war in heaven, okay? Now, Revelation 12. When, that, when Satan and them are kicked down, that's in that midst of the week, that 30-day period of time there. When that happens... The Lord just, he, he's just going to, he's cleaning up the heavens. He's reorganizing it. Remember that thing about where he rolls the scroll up and he shakes out the inhabitants? Well, what has the adversary done? The adversary's polluted all of that. Okay? It's very interesting to me when you go into Job and in the Old Testament and you look at creation. When he created the heavens and the, 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 the zodiac, if you will, okay, out there, how many pieces to the zodiac are there? Just 12. But what has the adversary done to it? He's quadrupled it. You get this, you get that. My wife has an app, a, a Earth View on Google or Google View or something, and you can hold it up and you can see all that stuff. And this bounces to that. And it, all the, you know, the other night when all the, the planets were aligned and you could look, she's looking at them. And, and I'm like, that's so confusing. <laughs> Because it's got everything, you know, or it's not Orion and Orion's belt. It's, it's chalk in his belt. And, you know, it's all this stuff. And I'm like, what in the world? Well, what is the Lord going to do? He's going to roll all that up and shake it out. He doesn't need it. So he, put, he instills the body into the heavenly places. We come on down into the second coming. Okay? 
and there's some things happening here. Um, I told you Isaiah 30, right? When he comes back in, this, in his second coming here, he's coming to set up his kingdom. And there's a, bright, a brightness to it. Because on the backdrop, Isaiah 30, I got to get there, Isaiah 30, the backdrop out here is the issue of darkness because of the judgment that he's laid in there. Isaiah 30. Uh, <laughs> well, man, where to start? Verse 27, start there. Behold, the name of the Lord cometh from far, burning with his anger, and the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, his tongue as a devouring fire. Here he comes. You see, he's, he's, gonna, he's coming. And his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the midst of the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of vanity. And there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people, causing them to err. Second Thessalonians 2, he sends a delusion on they believe the lie. Why? Because they don't believe the truth doesn't matter. They just don't. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge, so he gives them what they want. Ye shall have a song as in the, the night when a holy solemnity is kept, and the gladness of heart as when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lightning, the, the lightning down his arm, with the indignation of his anger, and with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering and tempest and hailstones. This glorious voice, lightning, brightness, against that backdrop of darkness. He's coming to destroy, verse 31, for through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down, which smote with, an, with a rod. We looked last time, Isaiah 10, Isaiah out there. What's he doing? He's, he's destroying the Antichrist. Verse 33, for Topet is ordained of old. <laughs> Topet. When we looked at hell and the, 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 the compartments of hell and we looked at all of that, Topet, uh, it, they call it Gehenna. And they call it the garbage dump. Well, that's what it is, but it wasn't always that way. Back under Solomon, he had set up that little valley outside of Jerusalem as a place for Baal worship, as a place for, for the high groves and all that. And then Hezekiah comes in, and he destroys it all, and he burns it, burns it all up. And what happens then is that becomes the garbage dump. And literally what's going to happen is, if you think about this, here's the Mediterranean Sea. There's the Dead Sea, Jordan River, or the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. Jerusalem is about right there, roughly. Not the scale. Uh, you don't know how many times I get an email. Your maps are really not, no kidding, you know, gee whiz, Okay. And literally what's going to happen, uh, come, over to, uh, come over to Isaiah 63. Hold on to Isaiah 30. Look at Isaiah 63. When in his route in his second coming, he comes out of the north, and he comes down, and he comes down here at the bottom end of Bozrah and Idumea. And then he comes in over, crosses where they all cross, and he goes into Jerusalem. Look at verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? Isn't that interesting? What's happening here? He's down there. What's, what's going out, Isaiah 30? This, his breath is an overflowing stream which reaches to the, I mean, he's just, Verse, uh, Isaiah 30, verse 33. For Topet is ordained of old, yea, the king is prepared. He hath made it deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and much wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. 
What's he been doing? We got a big old thing of fire going on out here. He's been burning it all up. Why is he red? He's been out there destroying the enemy. But what he does down here is he opens up a shaft into hell. There's a shaft in this Itamea Bozra territory south of the Dead Sea. It's there now. He just is, he burns it open. And when he does, that's when Isaiah 66 over there at the end, where they come out, verse 22, for as, for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So this is obviously in the kingdom when all the flesh is doing this. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcass of the men, of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be a whoring unto all flesh. Literally out here, he sets a memorial up, a memorial to this, and you go out there, come out of Jerusalem in your worship, and they look down into Gehenna, if you will, Topet of old. And they're reminded of what sin produces, death. What's sin going to get you? The thousand years over here. It's designed for man to understand that the devil didn't make you do it. Sin is what's making you do it. So when you come back to Isaiah 30, verse 33 here, you've got a lot going on in this. You just not it's you just can't wade in and go, oh, look at that. Hallelujah, here he comes. There's a lot going on. He's going to come down. He's going to destroy the Antichrist and that false prophet. They get cast out into the lake of fire, right? Yes. Then a thousand years, Satan is bound up in the bottomless pit because he's got another thing for him to do. Uh, that was a bad place to put that. He comes out, and then Satan's cast into the lake of fire. Then we have the great white throne judgment take place, and you got all this going on, and all these, and what's he doing? He's avenging. He's delivered his people, but he's avenging the enemy. It's one thing to, to go in and beat the guy and leave him. By the way, what usually happens? They come back. Okay? It's another when you go in, beat him, and then destroy him. And that's what we're reading about. Now, you're in Isaiah 30. Look at verse 26, right before that. Isaiah 30, verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. Isn't that wonderful? The moon, look at what's going to happen here. He's coming in, in great power and glory. The, the moon and the sun, it's all impacted. The moon's going to be as bright as the sun that we see today. And the sun's going to be seven times brighter. You, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to what happens in Acts 9 with Paul on the road to Damascus. Look over there at that. Just, I mean, if, if you think about this, it's, it's, to me it's just a wonderful way that your scriptures are put together and really how God did all this. Acts chapter number 9 if you look at verse 3 and as he, and that'll be Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Remember when it talks of, when he, when he recounts it and he says it, it was brighter than the sun? Okay. Now what does he say? Verse 5. And he, that's Paul, Saul, said, Who art thou, what? Lord, Jehovah. Saul of Tarsus is a rabbinical Jew. He said at the feet of Gamaliel, he knows Isaiah 30. He knows that that light that he's, that big bright light, he knew that was Jehovah coming in what? In judgment. He understood. 
These guys, who else would have known Isaiah 30? He would have because they studied that. They know it. That that thing in Timothy, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's understanding it, but yet he, Saul of Tarsus, knew that that this is what judgment looks like. He knew the passage. He knew he was facing the wrath of Jehovah God himself. That's why when he, he doesn't say, who are you? He says, who are you, Lord, Jehovah? He knew the God of the he knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He understood the, the, the wrath. He didn't know Jesus of Nazareth. He knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, he didn't recognize Jesus of Nazareth as being the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why when Jesus and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou per You know, that's the first time he ever said it like that. He'll say, I am he, or I am, I am whatever. But here he says, I am who? I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to get against the prick. And again, my I thought about that years ago. You know, when he said, who are you, Lord? You, you know he's saying, don't say Jesus. Don't say Jesus. Don't, oh, you're Jesus. Oh. You know, he, you just, I, I think about humanity, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm out here persecuting that way, and off we go here, you know. So Saul knew, the, he understood what he was looking at was judgment. But where are we in Acts 8 or in Acts 9? We're just coming out of Acts 7 where Stephen sees him what? Standing. The glory. The armies of heaven are ready to come at it. It's ready for wrath. And he looks up, and there's the moment of a bright light looking up at him, and he's like, is this, Lord, who are you, Lord, you know? And obviously, he was one born out of due time. (laughs) And the Lord, come over to Mark uh, 14. He was one, he got grace and peace and long-suffering and mercy, (laughs) Change the program, okay? And again, a lot, lot in the, all of that, but when you think about these guys, they understood what was going on. Now, Mark 13, he's talking to the 12. He's getting, getting them educated. Look at Mark 14 and verse 61. Mark 14, 61. He's being interrogated by the Sanhedrin. Uh, but he held his peace and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. See how he just says, I am. He doesn't say, I am Jesus. He just says, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, this is an interesting thing here because he just gave them some more information, some information in addition to what he's going to do, what he's telling them in Mark 13. You see me, I am him, and ye shall see the Son of Man, one, sitting on the right hand of power, and two, coming in the clouds of heaven. So there's some additional information here. You're going to see me sitting, and then coming. Now come over to Revelation 6, because what happens here is what the Lord is going to give John in the book of the Revelation, he's already been teaching to the twelve, which would have John in the midst as well. Look at Revelation 6. In Revelation 6, we have the six seals. By the way, the seventh seal comes uh, out of the seventh seal are the seven trumpets, and out of that is the seven vials, okay? And all that gets comes in prior to the end of the week of the end of the seventieth week. And again, you you ask a thousand preachers on how to teach revelation, you get a thousand different ways. I don't do any of that stuff. I just take it as it comes verse by verse because that's how John was told to write it. So you figure you want to place it, that's fine. What's wonderful is we don't have to be uh, right or wrong. 
because this isn't about us. And I'll be honest with you, if you spend more time in the book of the Revelation than you do in Romans, shame on you. Because Romans is about you, Revelation is not. And all you've done is bought into the deception plan to get you off of who you are in Christ. And I say that having studied Revelation, and we'll be probably teaching it in the future. There's nothing wrong with understanding it, knowing it, but just don't get caught up in, is it a line, or is it circles, or is it this, it's overlap. You know, you get Larkin's book, Clarence Larkin's book out, and you look at the Revelation chart, and the next thing you know, you're, you're seeing circles, you know. <laughs> you really are, and it's like, wait a minute, huh? what? And, but if you take it as it comes, verse 12, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. So here's the sixth seal. Now watch how it's going to match up with Mark 13 and 14. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Now, that's right in at Mark 13, because right when we get done with this stuff, now we're going to talk about the parable of the fig tree. It's right there. So the sixth seal, personal opinion, is happening right in that midst of the week stuff because of what Mark 13 laid out for us. Verse 14, when you see the abomination, which is in the middle, midst of the week, then it's time to get out, and then you're going to see this, and you're going to see that. So you, you've got some timing help here to kind of place this. There, you're going to see all of this come together. What's going to happen? And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island, and boom, right, is rolled together. Every mountain and the island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and great men, and the rich men, and mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that, what? Come on, sitting. He's sitting, isn't he? What are these? He's sitting. What did he tell him in Mark 14? You First, you're going to see me sitting on the right hand of power. You're going to see me sitting on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, verse 16. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand it? He's, the first thing is you're going to see me sitting, and then the second you're going to see me coming back, coming in the clouds with glory and power. By the way, what are these guys doing here? They're hiding. They're not fighting. See that? They're hiding. So this isn't Revelation 19. We'll get over there in just a second. This is here. Now, what else is happening right here? You got that war in heaven, and you got Satan being cast out, and you know what old Satan says? I'm God. And this dude that you see up there, he's the devil. He's the adversary. And he goes out now, and he convinces all those guys listed in verse 15, the kings of the earth, that he's God, 2 Thessalonians 2, and the guy up there that's coming back is, he's the devil. Anything from heaven is bad. Aliens, aliens, aliens. Spooky, spooky, spooky. Like, come on, people. And they're going to hook it. He's got them. He's got them going. But notice, they see him sitting. What did Mark 14 say? You're going to, first, you're going to see me sitting. Now, Revelation 19. And then you're going to see me coming back in great power and glory. Revelation 19. You see how I'm hoping you're catching how this stuff helps <laughs> and what the Lord is really doing in Mark 13. Okay? He's educating the 12 apostles. They're going to go and teach the little flock. They're going to go lead the little flock into all of this. They know nothing of the dispensational change of Paul. Paul is not on the They're not even thinking about They don't even know about him. Actually, you know who they know? Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor. That's who they know or will know in Acts. Okay, they, They're looking at what? Here he comes. Here comes the kingdom. 
Here comes the fulfillment. Here it comes, here it comes, here he comes, here he comes. Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Here's the second coming. At the end of the, the, the week, he's coming out of heaven. By the way, notice he's on a horse. It's very fascinating when you get people talking about what heaven looks like and what's going on out there. What you see on the earth, according to Hebrews, is a pattern to the heavenly thing. The earth is not the original. The original sits up there in the third heaven. So if you got a horse, what does that mean you got? What else do you have to have? You got to have a barn. You got to have a tack room. You got to have a cleanup crew. You got to, I mean, if you, so you look around, you go, wait a minute, there's real life going on in the heavens. There's not this morbid, you know, whoop de doo you know, spooky stuff that everybody thinks. It's real life. Keep reading. It's, 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 his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Here's Isaiah 30, okay? Verse 13, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. There's Isaiah 63, 1 to 3. Who's that coming out of Bozer down there? Hey, he's, he's been down there cleaning up. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Now watch, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now let's think about this. Linen comes from a plant. Now I know what people say, oh, but God can just speak it and be. Yeah, he can, but that's not what he did. Clothing. So you got to have textile industry now. You got to have the farmer. You got to have the, the harvester. You got to have the plant to fix, to do it all up and to make it there. By the way, they're white and clean. How do you get something? Have you, every Sunday when we go to lunch, I'm told, don't get anything on my white shirt. I'm a dribbler, apparently. Not a drooler, a dribbler, okay? You know, especially when I was a lot heavier, I, it was just like, it was a natural shelf. It just, what happened, okay? What do you have to do then? You got to take it home. You got to do the shout out. You got to do the bleach. You gotta, what do they got? They got laundry, white and clean. By the way, we didn't go there, but you go back and you read about the those that follow him and they're spotted, spotted horses. Now we go, oh look at all spotted horses. Well, yeah, they're on white horse, and they're and he's kicking up the he's kicking up the blood and the guts and the gore. I mean, they're going to get. But these guys are what? They're white and clean. Out of his mouth, verse fifteen, goeth a sharp sword. Well, what would that be? <laughs> That's his word, the two-edged sword. Okay? The armies of heaven, Matthew 25, 31, here they come. They're on, by the way, they've got horses too, so that means there's a stable, there's a, a herd of them, if you will. We went uh, Monday out to look at the poppies out by Saguaro Lake, and the wild horses were out. Um, I don't know if they're really wild or not because of the Indian res right across the road. You know, they let them go sometimes. It doesn't matter. Anyway, and we're, and every, it's crazy. We're coming along, going real slow because there's a lot of traffic, and then all of a sudden everybody stops. I'm like, what are we looking at? And there's a hor three horses. I go, have you not seen horses before? Oh, no, they're wild horses. Have you not seen a horse before? If not, I got a book with some pictures, and you can say, you know, or see Marlon Jerry, and they'll take you out for a ride, you know. The thing is, and then we got down to see the poppies, and, and everything, really beautiful. It makes you uh, appreciate the Creator, okay? The point is, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what he's doing. If you look across at verse 21, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. 
which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. There it is. What's he doing? Isaiah 30, fire and brimstone, the breath of his mouth. Here he comes. He's speaking judgment. He's coming back in what? In power and in great glory. And what's the first indicator? You're going to see me sitting, and then you're going to see me coming. He's sitting. He sits, and then he comes. Come back to Mark 13. And when he comes back in that, again, that the end uh, of the of the seven end of the week. Again, he he that war in heaven. He comes in, cleans it out, sitting, comes back down, and off he goes. So when he comes, again, cosmic, the backdrop is laid. And he's going to be king of king and lord of lords. And that's what, what, that's what Mark 13, that's what the Lord's getting at. The first thing to happen is going to be that destruction of the Antichrist, the destruction of the Gentile power structure. And then, verse 27, shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Then he's going to come in there and he's going to collect up the, the believing remnant. Now, what's an interesting thing, go back with me to Revelation 6. We've got a few minutes before the hour is up. Look at Revelation 6 and, and the last verse, verse 17. He says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? You notice the question there? Who's going to be able to stand in that great day? And then in chapter 7, what does he tell you? He tells you the people who are going to be able to stand. He talks about the, the number of, of the sealed, the 144,000, as they go out. And what are they doing, verse 9? After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white, and cried with a loud voice, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And then he gives into this great thing here about the establishment of the little flock. Now, I know what all the commentary guys say, that this is Gentiles, but it's not. It's scattered Israel. Where are they scattered? Under the uttermost parts of the heaven and the earth. And they're scattered. And they're scattered under that Leviticus 26, that fifth course of judgment. We'll look at this next time, okay? But I'm just, what I want you to get here is he's going to go out and gather up the elect. And again, the elect here, back in Mark 13, that's Israel in Christ. The first elect is Christ himself. He is the elect. So if you're going to be an part of the elect, you have to be where? In Christ. Okay, Isaiah 42. Israel in Christ. Well, who is that? That's the believing remnant. By the way, you and I are the elect because we're in Christ. We're in that body. So we're there. Then you have the elect angels. We have those four. We've looked at this. Okay? So the whole, the whole of it here... <laughs> is coming to a crescendo, and he's laying it out. Now, back in Mark 13, verse 28, now learn a parable of the fig, of the fig tree. Then he's going to get into the fig tree, which is going to match up with Revelation 6 again. The point here is, is that, by the way, verse 27 is not our rapture. You'll hear that used sometimes. And what they do is that they, because of similar words, the same words are used, so then they say, see, he's gathering, and then shall he send his angels and shall gather together. And they key in on that gather together because Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2 says, our gathering together. <gasps> so that's the rapture. No. The details in 1 Thessalonians 4, he himself comes back for us. Here he's sending angels out, see, and we're caught up to him. They've got to go collect them from the four winds of, of the earth, the whole planet. So just be, and what happens in that, honestly, 
if I can rant for a few seconds, is the issue of word study. Because what happens when you do a word study is you, have, you, you, get in, you fall into the trap of saying that this word means the same everywhere it's used, and then you, then you, you forget about the context that it sits in. The context of Mark 13 is 70th week, not you and I, see? Now, same terminology, I get it, but the word, uh, you, a word has to have a context to understand its meaning, what it means. And it, it's, very, it's very sad believers get into this habit of saying, well, it says trumpet, so it's got to be the seven trumpets and the trump of God and da-da-da-da-da. And yet the context tells you what it's talking about. That's why over and over again I'll, you'll hear me say, context is king. So you have to be careful with the word study. Now, again, I'm not against word study because I do it. Um, I spent a chunk of today studying the word established out of Romans 16.25. And uh, because a lot of people think it ought to be spelled established. But when you leave it in its context... Established is the correct use there, and therefore it should be established, not established. And you have to look at the context of the totality of what's going on in Romans 16. And what happens is, is we tend to knee-jerk to a dictionary definition and have that definition rolled into the equation and say, see, it could be either or. It isn't about being right or wrong. It's about, is it the proper use? That's the issue. And, by the way, Sunday we'll get into all that if I have time. If not, it'll be the next Sunday. Okay? So just catch what he's doing in verse 26. Here, here, I'm going to come. I'm coming with power. He's disrupted the cosmic. By the way, creation is falling right in line. They, they, creation understands what the creator's doing and is, and, and is not fighting it. Not resisting it, not saying, no, we're going to do this. It's, this is what we're doing. And then next time we'll get into the gathering up together from the four winds and from the whole of it. And again, the four winds, north, south, east, and west. Which way does wind blow? All four directions. If you don't believe me, go to Chicago. It'll hit you one way, turn around, hit you another way, okay? It just the way it happens. And here around here lately, it's kind of hit us, but... I think that's all coming out of the southwest. <laughs> all right? All right. Anyway, we'll pick up in verse 27 next time and look at that gathering together, okay? Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the look into it and the wonderful to, to see the details of your coming, of your return, and setting it all back in, in the order and in the manner that you would have it be. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>